As promised at the top of the show, in our third and final segment today, we're going to talk to some people that are doing a very admirable thing. <laughs> They're doing public affairs programs here at this station, which is, let me tell you, not all that easy to do. Uh, first, we're going to go to Sam Ribikoff. He's the host of Iber, which is going to take some explanation, I think, the title of the show itself. But it's my great pleasure to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Sam Ribikoff. Hey, thanks, Doug. Well, first of all, I want to note that... Uh, I didn't know who you were until we sort of met face to face a couple of weeks ago. But I, you know, I, I, I'd seen you around as you were getting involved and looking forward to getting a PA show. And and God bless you, you went ahead and you did it. Yeah, it's been okay. You're not having regrets, are you? <laughs> not yet. Because I think people have this idea: you turn on the microphone and chat, and as uh, I think we both know, it, 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 that's just not what happens. <laughs> it's usually bad when it's just completely improvised. But there's a there's a sweet spot in between over planning and improvisation right yeah you think thinking things through is how i like to describe you should think it through before you launch into it yeah yeah well um your program going to the ucradio.org website i see it's described as interview with artists activists academics and other cool people about topical events is that is that a fair description yeah something like that something <laughs> like that um i, I the, the the show is kind of changing or at least i want it to change for uh, the, the next quarter have have less of really really long interviews because usually the interviews are really really long. Yeah, and interviews that go to an hour and stuff like that, and that's just not <laughs> the most exciting thing in the world. Well, emulate some of some of your structure with uh, you know segments and whatnot. Good, yeah, I, I think you'll profit from that. I know when I was, for a while back, years ago, the substitute host over at Capital Public Radio, and the Insight program originally started out with one guest for the whole hour. My first suggestion was to the powers that be was, hey, hey, a lot of guests can't carry the hour. Let's let's chop this down. <laughs> right. That's totally the case. And then but the, the, the other times I've, when I've talked to interesting people and I felt like they could talk for an hour, and I listen back to it and it, it gets boring. Yeah, of course, it's extra work to bring on the new guests and start over, but I think, I think you'll profit from that, uh, that approach. But uh, let me ask right. you this. Your, your, t- your show is titled mm-hmm. Iber. I-B-B-U-R. I, I bore, actually. I'm, okay. I, I'm sorry. I bore. Um, what the hell is that, Sam? I'll try to explain it. It's a thing in Jewish mysticism where a, um, the soul of a dead person comes back to the earth and impregnates. Uh, I bore means impregnation in uh-huh. Hebrew. The dead soul impregnates a living person and forces them to do good things. So this is kind of a mensch spirit. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> do people know Mensch? Do people do people say that? They listen to this show. They ought to. We use it enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess for those who are not in the know, it's it's a guy that does the right thing, a guy you can look look up to. It's a it's a wonderful. Basically, yeah. I, I don't think there's any better, more expressive language than Yiddish for for words that describe the human condition, and that that's one of my favorites. This is a treasure trove of good Yiddish words that are like just sound humorous. Oh, indeed. The Ibor. Now, how does that compare to the Dybbuk, which is another spirit, but but a malevolent one, I gather? Yes, yes. They, they're they're polar opposites. So it's the same thing. It's the same. It's a it's a dead person that comes back and possesses somebody else, a living person. 
but not not in a good way. Yes, the diving makes you do. You know what? I'm not gonna. I, <laughs> I forgot exactly what the diving does, but it's bad. <laughs> Sam, we spoke before. I asked whether you might have been related to the illustrious Senator Abraham Ribicoff, who cut quite a figure in the U.S. back uh, back in the '60s, and and I guess the answer is in the affirmative. Yeah, yeah, uh, distantly, but somehow related. Well, if you don't mind, I want to since we found it on YouTube. I want to r- remind the public of what your uh, your family member did when he went up on the dais of the Democratic National Convention and took on Mayor Daley and all the chaos, famous chaos that surrounded that whole convention. So, uh, yeah, let's let, let's hear that, shall we? Yeah, sounds good. As I look at the confusion in this hall and watch on television the turmoil and violence that is competing with this great convention for the attention of the American people. There is something else in my heart tonight and not the speech that I prepare to give. And with George McGovern as President of the United States, we wouldn't have to have Gestapo tactics in the streets of Chicago. With George McGovern, we wouldn't have a National Guard. How hard it is to accept the truth. It is a great honor to nominate for the presence of the United States, George McGovern. Well, Sam, that, that that that's such an electrifying speech to me for you know a couple reasons. I remember at the time the, the nation took note of it. And, of course, we were fortunate, blessed on this show to have been able to interview George McGovern uh, later. And, uh, and also Walter Cronkite, who I remember so well, hearkening back to that moment where, where Ribicoff is up there. He's dressing down the convention. He's staring at Daly, which is quite, quite dramatic on the YouTube video. And Daly, he said, was just staring daggers back at him. And it was, it was electrifying. Can I relate the... Uh, uh the story of what happened after that speech. I don't know what happened after the speech. I guess right when uh, Senator Ribicoff was, was leaving the dais or something, he, he had to walk past Mayor Daley, and Mayor Daley stopped him and told him you're a dirty Jew or something like that. Or Oh, really? Yeah, or, or I forgot what the exact words were. It was something like that. And it was caught on TV, and I think his mic was on, like Mayor Daley's mic was on or something, and... It's, it's a famous family story. Well, Sam, thank you for educating me about the incident that I witnessed back in 1968. Yeah. Uh, good on you. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know whether you have interest in doing looking back historical things. We sure enjoyed on our program, and I, you could you could do worse than to, to look at some great moments in American history, especially like this one that involves your family. History is important. Yeah, I know. Of course, it is. It always it's always evolving. It's always evolving with us. I'm, I'm sure it will be with you. I, I got. I have to note. I listened to your show last week, and I was quite tickled by the fact that you took it upon yourself to bring upon a, a guy on the show who's interested in doing public affairs, and I must say that was an amusing conversation. <laughs> About what? I don't know, but I, I, 
I guess it was amusing. Well, what amused what amused me, I can tell you, was the fact that he was being so so frank about the fact that. Well, some, I guess he does a music show, and someone mentioned at some point, geez, you ought to do public affairs. And he said to you on the show, yeah, my interest on that in a one to ten, you know, I guess I was, you know, I was probably about a four. You know, I wasn't too interested. But then, <laughs> but now I'm here with you talking, and like, boy, I think I'm up at a nine. And I just had to laugh. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people at the, the radio station are, are there to, to be, you know, music DJs, and there isn't a lot of uh, publicity for... The, the PA department. Well, no, that's why that's why we old timers appreciate you guys that are stepping up because there there isn't the interest I think that there ought to be, and and I'm glad that uh, that some people do uh, think it to be a worthy endeavor. So you know, give you a pat in the back. Definitely. I mean, I'm glad the show was entertaining, although I don't know what it was about. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes we don't either. People ask me what's your show about, and I say, eh, eh, why don't you listen to it and you tell me? That's sometimes my show too. Supposed to be interviewing people, but about I guess important topics. But usually, it comes in with something like the, the good conversations are usually ones that are about nothing or like about not important things. Sometimes, yeah. You know, I don't even know this. What is, what is your interest academic at the school? I don't even know what to, what your area what uh, what you're studying for. We uh, um, I'm a history major. So that's what I'm doing. Well, there you go. Just do some history, brother. Yeah. All right, Sam, well, in closing, I note that, uh, well, first of all, you'll be back next quarter. You, you're not going away, and you're going to continue to do what you're doing. <laughs> Definitely. And the, the show will be better, hopefully. All right. Well, but I, I, know that there's, uh, I know there's some talk about changing the time, so you might not have the same exact uh, time on Friday morning, but, but, but nevertheless, you'll be back. Definitely. All right. Sam Ribikoff, thanks for speaking with us. Keep up the good work, and hopefully we can, uh, we can chat again. Yeah, thanks so much, Doug. All right, moving right along. Also on our lineup here at KDVS, we want to reset here by noting that how much we appreciate people who have come along and joined the team of doing public affairs programming at KDVS. And uh, it's therefore our great pleasure to invite the host of Policy Over Politics, which is heard every Friday between 9 and 9.30 a.m. here at the station. On the show, that would be Matthew Maxey. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on, Doug. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, you're more than welcome. I've heard your program. You're doing a pretty good job. We want to certainly encourage that. Well, I appreciate that. We sure we we love listening to Radio Parallax over at Policy Over Politics, and uh, <laughs> we've got a really good lineup at KDBS. It's important to uh, let other folks know what shows are on and you know what might be more along their lines of interest, what they might enjoy listening to, and uh, we sure try to promote that as much as possible over at our show. Indeed. And let, let's talk about your show. It is titled Policy Over Politics. It's listed, I guess the description is Discussions of Political Matters. In your case, it's something to the idea of, of the policy and the politics. Can you talk about what your thinking is in, in, that, in that title? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, the way we see it over there, the, the team of Policy Over Politics, there, there's only a few ways to truly affect good and positive change in society. You know, we talk about it a lot. There's only really a few ways that we can actually do that and implement that. One of them is the drafting and legislation of good public policy. Uh, public policy like the Eisenhower Interstate System, uh, the GI Bill, Social Security and Medicare. Sure. These things that really help people as far as oftentimes large governmental programs, oftentimes those are mixed with private industries as it you know, happens in the healthcare industry. And you know it's important to talk about those policies 
was good public policy, what has worked in the past. Uh, infrastructure development is another great example. And then you have extremely bad public policies as well. You know, uh, public policies like the bailing out of the big banks that happened several years ago under the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously when that happened, you know, the profits for corporations are, of course, privatized, spread amongst the CEOs and the shareholders, and a little bit, a small share for the workers. But any risk that they have is completely socialized, and the taxpayers are responsible for that by bailing them out. So you've got good public policy and bad public policy, and a lot of it gets lost in the politics of it sometimes. You know, it becomes this huge sideshow. And so we wanted to make sure and focus on the good side of public policies, what those are, what actually works, and where we can, you know, move forward. Well, we're with you on that, and also I would note uh, one of our pet peeves is the Great American War Machine, something we will, of course, I'm sure you as well as we will be talking about in 2015. Absolutely. You know, let's hope that that's a major issue in the upcoming election. I know we've we've only begun to hear the drumbeats of the 2016 elections, and it sounds just as hawkish as it usually is, especially from uh, our friends on the right and some of our friends on the left as well. So let's hope that's an important part of the discussion as far as public policy. You know, oftentimes the American public for good or for bad, and I think mostly for bad, loses sight of those things and focuses on truly economic issues and social issues. And uh, you lose the focus on where we're going as far as what we're talking about as far as national defense or wars in, let's say, nine other countries. Yes. So let's hope that we talk about that in the election. Well, and, and we'll certainly uh, we'll join you in your, your grassroots efforts to get keep this before the public, because I think people do lose sight of the fact that, you know, we are the giant war machine of the world, and it's very, it's unfortunate. It absolutely is, and, you know, the only thing that's going to stop that from being the case is if people pay, A, pay attention to what's going on in the world, and B, do something about it. Speak out, call your Congress people, call your senators, you know, call the White House. Let people know how you feel about it. You know, we've got just over 310 million people in this country, I don't know how many adults that is, but if 280 you know, million people de- declared and stood up and said we have to have peace in this country, we need to wage peace, uh, that's exactly what would happen because representatives of our government, you know, of the people in our government, I should say, don't answer to many things and they don't seem to be afraid of many things, but one of them is being voted out of office. Yes. So it's important to speak up and you know, let your voices be heard. And we know you guys do a great job of that on Radio Parallax, like I say, we really enjoy the show, and that's what we intend to do and intend to keep on doing on Policy Over Politics. It's a good policy, no pun intended, and you can certainly reach out to different people. We've had Dennis Kucinich on the left on this show talking about that, and we certainly have extensively quoted from Ron Paul, his wonderful uh, uh, speech before Congress before the start of the Iraq War that also uh, made some very salient points. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's the goal, I guess, would be to, to unite people in, in a common realization of how wrongly we're going on this. Right, and, and you know, it, radio provides us a, a, a unique community platform to do that, where you can create the space and the opportunity, you know, for communities to hold conversations that need to be had. Uh, it, it's, it's unique because the audience can participate either by listening or calling in. You know, there's passive and active participation. And then, you know, they can take action, direct action, talking to our senators, talking to our congressmen. We know that that works. We know that when they get deluged with emails and phone calls, about particular issues, they tend to vote on the side of those trying to sway them on their side. Now, whether that's for good or for bad, frankly, that's up to us. So it's important to have these discussions, and 
you know, I'm absolutely thrilled at the opportunity to be on policy over politics and to be on KDDF and to be a part of the entire process. It's a, it's a real honor and a privilege, and uh, that's yeah, what we intend to keep on doing. Let's talk about how you came here. It's quite an interesting story. Apparently, when we boosted our signal a couple years back and reached out uh, more fully across Northern California, that's when uh, we sort of got on, got on your radar, and you decided it might be a good idea to get affiliated with this uh, station. I, I lived in Sacramento for a few years in the mid-2000s. Geez, that doesn't sound like that long ago. And then I lived in Monterey for a few years as well. And one of my friends that went to UC Davis actually turned me on to uh, KDVS and said, hey, you should give these guys a listen. They're talking about real issues and real topics, as well as playing some great music. And so I, I hopped on and checked it on the web stream, and I traveled a lot through Northern California as well, and I still do for my day job, I call it. And I was fortunate enough to, yes, whenever the signal got boosted, I picked it up and really started listening in and really enjoyed it and uh, called into the station and told one of the DJs that they were doing a really good job. And she was kind and friendly enough to say, well, come on down and uh, <laughs> you'll see if you'd like to give it a try. you got a decent voice, you know? And I said, well, all right, that sounds good. So that's exactly what I did. And not all that wise man once said, more than 80% of life is just showing up. So true. Yeah, it's just kind of a great thing that you're, you weren't a Davis student. You were, you're a member of the community, and that's, you know, this station is a community-based station, and that's, that's one of its great strengths. And that's something that people should definitely know. I know we talk about on our show that you, know, you can become a part of this. We're all in this together, and, and KDBS is a great way to uh, further that and, and move things forward. And, you know, everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And it's been my experience and that KDBS has been that sort of an entity for me in my life, not to mention all the amazing people that I've met there. Folks out there that are listening that enjoy a couple of the shows and, you know, really enjoy it and think they could be a part of it should come on and, and give it a try. I mean, the worst that could happen is you're not very good at it. That happens sometimes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, at first you don't succeed. Uh, Matt, do you have anything planned for 2015 you want to forward promote? I mean, that's maybe an unfair question, but I'm sure that uh, you probably have some ideas. Well, we're going to have some interviews on. We've been talking with uh, representatives for uh, Bill Monning, the, the state senator from the Monterey area, as well as Mr. Gary Mendy, our U.S. representative. Uh, so we hope and plan to have them on the show uh, and or their designated folks that would like to speak with us. We're also going to focus a great deal on community issues that could be changed by a change in public policy, uh, things like homelessness, veterans issues at the, at the VA, war and peace, as we spoke about before. Uh, pretty much every major issue are obviously going to focus on poverty. And we'll have interviews with folks on the streets. We'll make sure and talk with policymakers, as well as folks who know a whole lot about policy. We try to have as many professors and uh, wise UC Davis students on as possible. We're very fortunate to be right here in the heart of UC Davis. And uh, there's a whole lot of smart people around. So we try to take advantage of that. And uh, the late, great Harvey Bell once famously said, I am here to recruit you in a fight for your democracy. And on policy over politics, that's exactly what we intend to do. And if uh, fight is too hyperbolic of a word for some folks, that's okay. But I guarantee you a lot of people who are waging these battles definitely regard it as a fight. And by that I mean big corporations like the Koch corporations and uh, public unions as well. So those folks definitely think it's a fight. So the sooner we realize that and do something about it and organize and speak about these things, the more we can change the world. And on Policy Over Politics, that's exactly what we intend to continue doing. 
All right, Matthew Maxey, keep up the good work. We'll be probably be talking to you in the next quarter, I hope, and let's see if we can't uh, put our heads together and do some good. That sounds great. That's the plan. Thank you so much for having me on, Doug. I really appreciate it. You're, you're welcome, Matt. We'll, we'll be talking. That about does it for today's program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks to Professor Devin Brown talking to us about his most curious book on the legendary J.R.R. Tolkien. And also our public affairs comrades, Sam Ribikoff and Matthew Maxey. Their shows can be heard in the case of Ibor between 8 and 9 Friday morning, followed by Policy Over Politics between 9 and 9.30. And we will see you next week on Christmas Day when we will talk with Sarah Jansen, Senior Editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts 2015. That promises to be fun. In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. With his long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. Hobbits are peace-loving folks, you know. They're never in a hurry and they take things slow. They don't like to travel away from home. They just like to eat and be left alone. But one day Bilbo was asked to go on a big adventure to the caves below to help some dwarves get back their gold that was stolen by a dragon in the days of old Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins, only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. Well, he fought with the goblins. He battled a troll. 